The first lesson for today is from Genesis chapter 22. This will serve as the basis for the sermon. If that, gen- that title and chapter ring a bell, Genesis 22, it's probably because it's such a memorable and heart-wrenching, huge story in the life of Abraham when he was commanded to offer his son, his only son, as a sacrifice to God. And this is what, this is the story we have in front of us, is the God who brought this into his life and brought him through it. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. The word of the Lord. God.
God said to his servant, and he says it to you, do not be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward. He said that to Abraham. He says that to you. Amen. Perish the thought that I'm alone in my struggles. There is a version of ourselves that closes our eyes and imagines a world without storms, imagines a world without struggles. It's a playground where lots of things dance around inside our own personal thoughts of what threatens us, what bothers us, what tempts us, what we struggle with, and normally assumes that I am the only one with that struggle. And in some ways, that's true. You are the only you. You are the only one with your friends and with your relatives with exactly that list. You are the only one that lives in that house on that block with those neighbors who are next door. You are the only one who shares a desk or cubicle or school space or classroom area with the people that you see. And those people can be temptations for you, temptations to anger, temptations to sin, temptations to jealousy and greed. These people can be temptations for comparison, temptations for pride. Struggles on the left hand and the right. Anything on this planet can become fodder and opportunity for the devil's workers who far and wide seek to overwhelm us, as we just sang. Fire and wide. They would seek to overwhelm us and overtake us. We, we know we struggle. We know we struggle. The question really is, are we alone? But there's a wrinkle. There's a wrinkle in all of this, and that is the assumption our sinful nature has that the struggle is bad. I am a new person in Christ, and when I struggle with sin, I'm frustrated. My new man inside of me is frustrated. I want to please God. I want everything to be him. In fact, all struggle, you could say, is a little sadness in my heart that Jesus is not all in all to me, that I don't have a perfect faith, that I have weak spots in a sinful nature. That's far worse than weak spots, right? If Jesus were all in all to me, there would be no struggle. If I were whole, if I were fully healed, spiritually speaking, in my every way in my relationship with God, as far as my own nature is concerned, there would be no struggle. Things could certainly come in my life. But I would do what Abraham did and follow the word of the Lord and believe and by faith conquer the temptation. That doesn't always happen. There are things that are unique temptations for a pastor things that seek to overwhelm me, fill my, my eyes with pride at things I think are well done, 
and want to pat myself on the back or things that would rather belong in the ditch of despair and know nothing of the comfort and strength of my God as I say, woe is me that this isn't better than it is. See? We all have it. It's a struggle. But some of them are good. Or you could say there's a way of struggling that is wonderful. Wrestling with the things of our lives in the name of Father, Son, and Spirit, that's a good kind of wrestling. Think of it this way. Because we have a sinful nature, we're going to have something to struggle with every day. We speak of Christianity as something where, in the name of Christ, we want to put to death our sinful nature. Not just last week, not just on Ash Wednesday, but every day of our lives seek to put it to death. As long as I endure in this flesh and blood and not in the glory of paradise with God, I have something to put down, something to struggle with. As long as I'm in this world and and Satan still on a leash, he has a chance to seek to overwhelm me with temptations that would suck my soul from all of the good things of God that exist and have been given it by his word. And it would just make it a barren wasteland where those words have lost their meaning by doubt or despair or false pride, right? Think of all the traps. And so every day we're here is a day to put some arrows back in the devil's face. The devil who's got you has his target you make him your target and how are you going to fight so the struggle is really a given it's how we struggle that's important are you struggling against God would be a way that Satan would kind of push you to struggle and want you to struggle to challenge God shake your fist at God dare him to keep that word challenge him that if he does not keep that word how can he be a loving God how can he be a good God or in the name of father and son and spirit to point the arrows back the devil's way think of the boxer a boxer fights his enemies how often in so many months I mean they go through months and months of training they actually step in the ring with their enemy quite seldom but there is another person that they box all the time or group of people. It's called a sparring partner, right? And they get in the ring and they have a spar and they throw real punches and they have a sparring partner that they're beaten up all the time. And this is a good kind of thing. It's a muscle training thing. It's a coordination. It's a rhythm. I don't know boxing. It's all that stuff, all right, in a bundle. But there's with their sparring partner. Well, the first lines we heard in Genesis chapter 22, the first words that we heard was, and God tested Abraham. Do you see a boxing match with an enemy? Or do you see a sparring partner at work? This is a sparring partner God who says, I know how to get you ready for the fight. So when you get in the ring, you know what to do. You could say, if you had a chip on your shoulder with God, a beef with him, you could say that everything he did to Abraham was pretty cruel. 
He said, leave your people and your land. This is Genesis 12, so we're rewinding a little bit. But he said, leave your people, your family, everything you know, and go, Disney song, into the unknown, right? Go into the unknown, go into the vulnerable, go into the relationships, you've got to start from scratch. Go into the all the kind of networking that you want to do and the trust of your neighbors, uh, get to know the lay of the land. You've got to do all that from nothing, Abraham. Would you get up, pack your stuff? He was a wealthy man. He was well-established. Whatever was happening for Abraham, where he was, was going just fine, <laughs> okay? This isn't like, oh, thank you, Lord. Finally, i got a door to success in the world. no. It was leave all of that and let's start over. I will make you great. It's a different kind of greatness. I will give you descendants. I will bless you and all nations will be blessed through you. It's a beautiful carrot. And then you go to the promised land and you start from scratch. But it feels like this carrot, that's this torture of it dangling in front of him, right? I thought of the little dandelion seeds that fly out, you know, and the dandelion turns into the puff ball of seeds or whatever, and they're so light. You try to grab one of those, and just the little push of your hand pushes it away, and just trying to grab it, and you just, ha, ha, Ah, I can't, you know, you just can't grab one of those. Is this Abraham was like, okay, fine, but when are we going to get there? When are we just going to be settled, you know? And you got this stuff with Lot, you got Sodom and Gomorrah, you got all these adventures that are going on, adventures. These things that can be very hard on Abraham. And it's not like in year one of the promise, Abraham and Sarah had a child. No, they stared at the clock a lot. They tried and tried and tried again, not having a child. And then even resorted in weakness of faith with an arrow from Satan that stuck a little bit, resorted to their own measures to have a child from Abraham that would count for the family through a servant. Do you remember that? Because God was taking too long. And I need to grab this promise, make it happen myself. Ah. 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 Torture. 25 years. 25 years. Until his body was as good as dead. And Sarah laughs. <laughs> I'm supposed to have a child in my old age? Ha! Ah. That's... Oh. Carrot, you said through Sarah. You said a child through Sarah. Oh, why are you torturing us like this? Or is it a sparring partner that's teaching you that even in the midst of an impossible time physically, God can do whatever he pleases and give you a son anyway? And they had their firstborn, their only born, a son, Isaac, which means... He laughs, right? So, and you get out of that some time later. Genesis chapter 22. And here's Abraham with a son who's older some time later. Maybe he's a young teen. Take your son. God knows everything that this is. God the sparring partner knows every bit what he's asking the boxer to do. Take your son, your only son, whom you love. 
boom, boom. Is that laying it on thick and heavy? Isaac, your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and offer him up to me on the mountain I show you. And Abraham gets up, packs the wood, carries a knife, brings the fire, tells two servants, loads the donkey, heads out of town, spends three really fun days thinking about it. And then you actually get to the place, and it's there. What are we told in Hebrews 11 about this? It's almost incredible. Do you, have you heard it? Hebrews 11, by faith Abraham... By faith, Abraham sacrificed Isaac. In his heart, it was done. By faith, Abraham sacrificed Isaac because he considered that God could raise him from the dead. So that this, this is not as impossible as this is. It's like putting a knife into the promise of God. It's like making God's promise impossible that through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. That was a verse. (laughs) That was a promise. Those things were said to him. Through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. And then he says, go sacrifice him. Abraham believed that God could raise him from the dead. So I can actually do this to my son and then light the fire and watch it completely burnt offering style consume his body and God will bring him back to life. That's where sparring partner had brought boxer Abraham. This is so crucial for believers because if you don't get the sense from Lent 1 today, our first Sunday in Lent, that God is on your side, that God could do anything he wants all the time and gives you all the blessings in all the perfect ways, then you will struggle. You will struggle a lot more than you need to as you allow things to move and sway your faith far from their fixed, anchored position in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I know what to say about my triune God. That's what will happen to you. You who struggle alone, uniquely, in your life and temptations and circumstances, the devil would love to put a little arrow through your soul that would just say, surely I'm the only one like this. There's no way God treats me like he would treat everybody else who does not struggle as mightily as I do with these temptations. How they have their way with me. Every sinner is brought to this realization that I really know how to let myself swing far from confidence in a God who can do the impossible. I'd never get that far up Mount Moriah to actually put the wood into a pile and get the knife out after binding my own son. I usually give up long before then and go out down some other self-preserving detour, some some other view of life. What can I do about this perspective that is not using the equipment of my faith? It is not putting to work my God. And if that's me, can God really love me? Or am I just stuck with my struggle 
all alone. Your sparring partner would love to teach you how to fight in that moment. Because that's a temptation. That's a thought bubble. It needs to be burst. It wasn't just an Abraham who raised the knife that had a strong faith, who was willing to do this with his son Isaac. It was an Abraham who was blessed by God to look and see what was there in the thicket. You notice how the story could have ended with the angel of the Lord, which is your Jesus. See him showing up and talking to Abraham in the Old Testament. The pre-incarnate Christ. You see him looking to this and saying, um, you know, you have done this. This is wonderful. This is what your sparring partner, I've taught you to do. I have trained your faith that you have conquered all the impossible. The story could end right there, couldn't it? But instead it continues, and then Abraham looked and he saw, and there was a ram in the bush. Because for Abraham and Isaac, it's not just done to have an Isaac alive and well. It's done in a God who substitutes for us. Because I may have my day where I'm right there, and I got the knife, and you go, God, you can do the impossible, and I don't care what my life looks like, I don't know, I don't care how much this is struggling, you can save this sinner, you can help this sinner, you can bless this church, you can raise the roof, you can do all of these things, because you are God, and you're wonderful, and that's fine, but I can also have those days where I know I've got none of that firing, my sinful nature is having its way. And right then and there, the eyes get part two of the story. That we're not just going to leave a bunch of dry sticks on Mount Moriah. God brought in the substitute. God showed a ram in the thicket. And it takes the theme for the day. The Lord will provide. This is teaching the boxer that you may have your ability to punch, but your greatest strength is when your gloves come off. Your greatest strength is not grabbing and holding that promise that you find a way to grasp for yourself in your way, in your timing. No, your great strength is God owns that promise. I don't have to catch it. He said it. It's his word. My greatest weapon is not the punches I put in Satan's face, but the victory Jesus won in the lamb who was slain. The offering that took place on my behalf that spared my life, my son's life, and your life. We walk away alive and well as the ram is consumed in the fire and the wood, the sacrifice to God, pleasing in his sight. Take your gloves off. We have a struggle. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, the powers. What does Paul say? The forces of this dark world. It's against Satan. You want to fight Satan? Don't put your boxing gloves on, unless it's Bible passages, right? Take them off, and in the name of the Lord, say, the Lord will provide. 
and he has. Amen.